Welcome to the Leveled Up Podcast. I'm Danae Osted. I'm Sarah Flannery. And I'm Megan Johnson. This week, we talked to the mysterious Cece about her new podcast, Cece Me on Everything, where we talked a lot about uh, good boss stories, bad boss stories, and also just some weird boss stories. So <laughs> um, it's going to be a fun one. Stick around. Here we are. I have really big news. Sarah's back from being sick for like a lifetime. We're still not great. We still sound super seductive, as you can hear. But guess what, guys? Being down and out with the flu sucks some serious ass. Yeah. But you're back to the land of living. Land of living. Washed my hair today for the first time in a week and a half. Congratulations. And just in time. Because today, after the long-awaited wait, (laughs) we have my dear friend Cece here. Um, CC just launched a really cool podcast we're going to talk about today. Yes. Um, and she's super insightful just about like work life and just the journey. And so we're going to talk about that today. Um, so thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. And the kind words. Yes. We are very (laughs) excited. I've been hearing Megan talk about having you on for quite a few weeks and I'm super pumped and I'm super bummed. I had to cancel our initial meeting because of the Plague. Well, I'm glad you did. I do not want to play. So I have to be careful here because I don't want to uh, uh, give away any details that might show people who you are because it's it's a closely held secret, government secret. Um, Locked up but, tight. But as soon as we met, it was like one of the first things that we chatted about was this yeah. project that you've been working on and um, you've been working on it for a while. And so I want to, before launch, I want to back up and just talk about, like, your story about where you got to the point where stories about your terrible boss became something that you wanted to bring to the world. Yeah, well, um, there was one particular boss, which I've kind of come for full circle on. I have a lot of compassion for her now, but she made my life really chaotic, um, and I was drinking a lot. But I could dine out on those stories for, I mean, I'm still dining out on those stories. So um, there, she was very charismatic and interesting, and I'm really close with the people I was on that team with. So that, that crazy boss brought me, with, brought me together with a lot of good friends. And then I had a seriously egomaniac boss that, that just, like, grated on every single one of my nerves. Um, so she really was the one that inspired it. Um, but it took me a full year to get to production because I'm really old and I don't understand oh, technology. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> so Megan connected me with the yeah. We were talking experts. We were talking about. I'm like, oh, you need Jason in your life because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's that totally is a thing though. Because I was super intimidated about relaunching into the idea of podcasting because I hate all things technology side yeah. of this, and so. So big uh, props out to Jason. Lifesaver, my friend. <laughs> Literally. Dream maker Woo-woo. for Cece for definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So but what so you felt like this is something universal. Oh yeah. I don't think we're ever gonna exhaust of content. <laughs> um, and I think it's an epidemic. <laughs> Just based on talking to anybody. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like everybody throughout their lifetime as you get to know people has some story that's just absolutely, like, grates against your being, your bones, and you're like, that was hell for the past X period of time of my life. Here's what I learned from it, and I got to share it with the world. Yeah. And there 
there's just so many crazy stories out there. I bet all three of you have oh, yeah. one or two that come to mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. When I heard about your podcast and what you were doing, I was like, man, that's really cool. And I started to think about, like, do I have any crazy boss stories? And I started, like, telling myself stories. And I'm like, that's not a fun like bad boss story like some of those were harassment like some of those were like really really bad I'm like yeah I don't think any of mine are like if I if I really dove deep I could probably find some funny and cute ones but I'm like yeah some of those were just like really bad you know so that's why I work for myself I think that's the moral of the story and there's a reason why a lot of us are not employees anymore it's kind of upsetting to hear that there's more harassment stuff that I mean, I worked in the service industry for a really oh, long time, so yeah, there. I mean, there were places that I worked where it was just normal. I had a bar manager who followed me from, um, I was working at one place, and we were bartenders together, and then I moved to another place, um, mainly to get away from him, and then he got hired as my boss at the new place, and he made my life hell for like a year and a half. So, was he like romantically harassing you? Yeah. Or was it more oh, yeah. No, he told oh. me he was in love with me even though we both had partners and I'd wear dresses because it was a nice place. So I could wear dresses while I bartend. He'd like come up and like pull my dress down <gasps> to no. be like, well, that's only for me to see. So I don't want anybody else to see that. Or like just, he would tell all the customers no. we were sleeping together. Ma'am. Why to would you tell the customers you were sleeping? Like, because don't I don't know, because I'm adorable, obviously. But <laughs> obviously, I mean like, yeah. no, I'm, I'm but he used to come up and like smell my hair. Like while I would be serving a customer and he would just come up like right behind me. Mm-hmm. Like it was funny. Mm-hmm. So I would have panic attacks before I would go in. And I was like, yeah. I, this guy had to file yeah. as a sexual offender because he's got all the markings. I don't know. It was Well, that was one of the things that was really frustrating. And maybe this is what some of the people you're talking to come up with against as well. Is that a lot of times, especially in the service industry, there aren't necessarily systems in place to protect yeah. people. Yeah. So I went and complained to management. I actually asked to be taken off all of those shifts with him completely. And um, there had already been a whole bunch of you know, really young women, like the hostesses who were like 17 or 18 who complained, like other waitresses. By the time I quit, there were probably six or seven other people who had come forward too. But you had to quit. And yeah, I had to quit. They weren't willing to fire him. They were like, well, he's, um, you know, we've talked to him about it. He's, he's changing. He's doing these different things. And I was like, Wow, like Insert how many times? Eye roll, nostril flare. He's changing. Exactly. So I was, you know, I was in tears half the time, oh, just no. like, how do I, how do I even deal with this situation? So it was, it was a really frustrating situation for me to be put in that position every single time I went into work, and he yeah. wouldn't schedule me on shifts that he wasn't working. Like, it was really. Really frustrating. That's predatory. So. Yeah. I yeah, it's totally predatory. Nasty. I mean, no, he still tries to reach out to me. Like, he'll, I know, I know. I blocked him on everything. So he'll start working for a new restaurant and he'll reach out to me, like, through their Facebook page. No, like, yeah. man. I know. That's gross. People I don't are, like that. People That's are really weird gross. and scary. So it's upsetting they didn't do anything about it either with multiple complaints. Oh, I, know. I mean, not that one complaint should be like, uh, glossed over, but yeah. Multiple. They can always find more bartenders, though. So why do they care? Yeah, but did, was he, like, an excellent management? I mean, why did we... Uh, not that? in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't think so, I mean, the but... the customers, like, so cool? He told me about <coughs> their sexual relationship. Yeah. So, yeah. That just yeah. really upped oh, my... Really that upped my bill yeah. here. I, got, I sold an extra yeah. 200 in wine. It wasn't, yeah. like, a cute, like, 
well, will they or won't they like thing? It was like a very <laughs> obvious, like, yeah. no, I'm never going to sleep with this guy. He told everybody that it was the opposite scenario. Wow. So anyway, starting off on like a really shitty note, like sometimes we have really, really bad bosses. So I'd love to hear some of the more like cute and funny stories you guys have to balance out all of that nonsense. Well, I know um, that we, for Level Up this month, we are talking about like recovering from a setback. And um, Sarah Flannery has just made a huge change in her career. And I know that this environment that you're in is hugely, hugely different, not just in the way that you get work um, or leads or whatever. Um, No, it's, I mean, it's, I was with this company for, um, my entire career in mortgages. So seven and a half years. Um, and I mean, it's just, you learn different things from different bosses and people that are around Mm you. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm a huge believer of being in the right atmosphere with the right energy. Mm -hmm. Um, and that I had it for a really long time. And, um, when you are now self-producing, um, things change, right? What works for this person here doesn't work for this person over here and that's exactly what was happening was I was realizing my strengths were different than theirs and it's not right or wrong it just was and to not be supported in that was hugely hugely um challenging um and in looking back on it now because we've had multiple conversations um with my ownership group because I've gone back to work for them now um it just is a difference of the way they think that supporting is and what actually works for me. You know what I mean? So we've gotten now like on as this. as far as the management style? Correct. Goes. So, like, just because, you know, they can, they've written out the highs and the lows and they understand that, you know, when a failure comes or a success comes, how you, everybody responds to that differently and needs mm-hmm. a certain reward or don't doesn't need right, a reward, Right. right? I don't particularly need to be patted on the back every time, but when I'm getting beat down over and over and over, the answer of just wait it out, it'll eventually shake out, does not work for the perfectionist that I am as a human. Mm -hmm. Um, It just doesn't. It's like, no, there are reasons why this is happening repetitively. Why is it happening and what is it that we can do to make it better? Or even a step up from the absolute fucking shittiness that was yeah. feeling that I was feeling, and um, you know, unfortunately, me leaving was a huge eye opener for everyone at that company. Um, That's like great, huge eye opener to the point where it was like, okay, we see the errors here. We see where you're coming from. Here's what we would have liked to see more from you great, here's what I would have liked to see more from you guys. Can we marry this up and make it happen? Mm-hmm. And, and we have. Oh, great. Um, great. And it's been great since I've been back. Um, but, you know, I mean, in the interim, I went to a company that, you know, I chose very intentionally because, <coughs> excuse me, I was looking for that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Get him out. Get it out. It's been the last like two weeks, easy. you guys. Like... <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. We're just gonna be over here healthy. Yeah. Hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, enjoy it. Yeah. Okay. Um <laughs> I will. And regret- no. it's been great. Um <laughs> I was very intentional about looking for what I need was the right energy. Right? Yeah. That's what I, I feel off of that 
because I have a lot of energy that I bring to the table, whether I'm consciously or unconsciously aware of it. And I needed to have that amplified a little bit. I needed to have that nurtured and to show that I had the confidence to do this on my own and that I was fully capable of doing it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a full believer of things happen in your life for a certain reason. <laughs> and it was absolutely horrific when I was going through it. <laughs> um, really, really horrific. I mean, I cried Sorry. for like a week straight leaving my previous yeah. company and it was, it was rough. horrible. And then I met these two lovely ladies. That was right about when we met you. Yeah. Literally right when I had yeah. just started. For for active listeners, you remember the story about how I went and had a meeting with Sarah and it was like, ooh, this is deeper the deeper shit than I thought it was going to be. And I had to call Danae to be like, can you come over here? That's what we were talking about. Like I had to call and reinforce this for, for this conversation. And it's not because Sarah's a weak human. And she's not. Like no. It's amazing to me how a work environment can put you in mm-hmm. such a place where one of the strongest women that I know is like questioning like core beliefs about herself. Oh, yeah. And literally core beliefs. Which is unacceptable. Yeah. Totally unacceptable. And I think I found that when I listened to it. So I've listened to the two episodes. Mm, okay. Of uh, CC Me on Everything. Um, and what's your tagline stories about terrible bosses? What is it? Uh, yeah, yes. A podcast. A podcast about your terrible boss. A podcast about Jason. A podcast about your terrible boss. Um, and there are like some elements of that in each story. Like when you, when you listen to this, the episode about Dr. Buddy, you talked about how there was all those non bossy things that her supervisor was doing. The do nothing. (coughs) Yeah. That was like so frustrating when it had nothing to do with the way she managed her, but everything about how she was in the workplace. And I found that the same thing about, uh, Scott, was it Bruce? Bruce, yes. Bruce on Scott's episode, um, was like just his initial his initial meeting with him was like already like oh this email that I got from him was like rot with Ugh. yeah yeah like, and I think there's such a piece of that into your workplaces about like all of the non-work stuff that managers must care for yeah. and they're not they don't think about it or they're not trained to think about that and it's an important piece of the workplace and I know we've talked about that for you, for sure. You're getting your own you're getting your own office and protecting your space. Yeah, I think that a lot of times it's just the difference between, um, you know, management and leadership, mm-hmm. that there's a huge difference. Um, because management a lot of times is just put in, like somebody who's put in a position where all of a sudden they have to relate and almost control all of these people and... That's totally different from leading. Yeah. Well, and the side note, a lot of these people that get put into management roles are put into the roles because they're good at the job. They're not good at people. Right. It was a reward of some sort. You're moving up, but boy, do they suck at managing humans. Yeah. Boy, does managing humans take a whole nother (laughs) level of expertise to get there. And in certain levels, they don't need to be good at the job. They need to have a periphery of what it entails and then work with the humans that need to work it at a better angle, which I have no problem if my boss isn't as smart as me on certain topics. Mm -hmm. But if they don't advocate and move stuff out of my way, then they're a do-nothing boss. Yep. I think what I found, uh, I'm going to be careful, in my career, especially when I uh, was wearing a military uniform, there was this... (laughs) There was this... uh, term we called shit screen and then that was your job that was that was your supervisor's job and they were not all good at it 
But their job was to stand above you, screening the shit so you can do your job. And I just valued that premise. Well, not all of, all of them did that. Some of them just like mm. hucked it at you. Yeah. Like, let me, like, hold on, buddy. Let just, yeah. Let's keep playing. Like, Here you go. Like, some, of them, some of them were that way. But I really value that piece of a really good leader yeah. is a lot of shit comes down. And one of the most insightful things you talked about on Dr. Buddy's episode was about how a lot of times managers are really like, hemmed up they they don't necessarily have all the power and control that you think they do and if they're not um transparent and open with that that can make your life hell but if they have the capacity to screen out some of the bullshit that they're getting from up so that you can do your job i think that makes a really great leader yeah yeah it's a huge quality that really brings somebody out to let other people actually perform what they do well they're put in that position for hopefully a reason and in order for them to succeed, it's like that learning how to let people succeed type thing. Mm-hmm. Like if I block this, this person's really good at, you know, on the phone or what, you know, they're great with communication of people. Mm-hmm. So I, instead of bogging them down with, you know, 50 emails, we're going to have them fend off these phone calls yeah. and call these people because they're top priority. They need to get dealt with right away or whatever right. it may be. Yeah. Um, or allocate <coughs> talent where it would be best utilized yes. and enjoyed. Yes. And that's a big thing that I'm finding. Um, everyone complaining about their job. Like, this is what I really enjoyed doing, and no one gives a shit above me. Right. Hmm. Like, they're not even heard when they are. Are they asking for what they say? What they, I mean, they, they say they're asking for <laughs> it. <Yeah. laughs> There's not really, like, a fact check. But um, yeah. I would assume, I mean, that's your livelihood. That's what you right. want to do. Yeah. And in my own experience, I managed briefly a staff of five in another state. And that was really, really problematic just because I couldn't see them every single day. And Mm. I was, like you said, hemmed up from above and knew that certain individuals would have been better on different teams and wasn't allowed to reallocate them because, you know, we just went through this big change six months ago. So let's just wait Mm. for the next big change. So that seems ridiculous as well. Oh, that's tough. Yeah. Like, why can't you just make little changes when you see them and need them? Yeah. What other, um, like, themes are you seeing from your interviews across the board? Well, it's been, um, I'm seeing a lot of, and it's probably just because of my friends, and I'm reaching out to my friends first for interviews. You know, Absolutely. Just trying to get all yeah. I can. Um, so a lot of, I know a lot of my friends' bosses, because we've worked in the same capacity, and I'm seeing a lot of frustration between female to female boss. Mm. Um, and in the industry I worked in, it's a very male dominated industry. And I, I believe wholeheartedly that these women that, that are supervising other women are products of the environment of how mm-hmm. they've had to react to this male dominated industry, how they had to kind of claw their way to the top. And then they're just wreaking havoc on these, you know, poor underlings. I feel like you have a very different experience with that. I don't know. It's 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 hard because so I, I work in a very um, I'll say masculine energy dominated space mm-hmm. um, because there are plenty of successful women in finance. That's not that's not a question within my company. I know that there's quite a few, um, but um, when I say masculine energy, what I mean is that a lot of times if there's a specific company culture that's permeating the whole thing that that's talking about the training and the leadership because like also attracts like. 
-hmm. So if you're a specific kind of manager or leader, then you tend to attract people who have kind of the same qualities and identify with Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. So if that's how the training's structured and that's how people are learning to act, um, then yeah, there's definitely going to be some sort of culture in place. So if in my experience, and again, these are just my own opinions, my own personal experience, you know, if masculine energy is more of this like hunter versus gatherer where it's all kind of search and destroy and even overly direct and, you know, always be closing. Yeah. Always be closing. (laughs) Right. If, if that's that kind of hunter culture, right. And, you know, working in a more feminine energy, like I think I do. And I think you guys too, Mm -hmm. I definitely consider myself more of a gatherer. I want to build relationships. I want to add value. I want to help people. Not that, not that men don't or not that people who are working in a masculine energy don't, but it's totally a different way of doing things. Mm -hmm. And if that's not the culture that's there, if that's not what's being trained, then you might not actually be fitting into leadership roles. You might Mm. not be considered for management positions because you don't do things exactly the way that they've always done things, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So it's more of just than a, you know, anything, honestly, I don't, I don't consider it anything that's discriminatory or, or, you know, bigoted. I, I, I just think that a lot of times if there's a culture in place and it feels like it's working, yeah. then anybody who doesn't exactly fit into that right. isn't going to be considered a lot of the times. Yeah. It's just kind of how it works. I wonder if, on your point, like, there's this kind of hangover from back in the day where there was only so many women that were going to get promoted. And so, well, I mean, you can talk about outside of work. Like, women are the worst to other women. Like, women are terrible oh, to yeah. each other. Why can't we just be like supportive and yeah yeah and um definitely in level up in everything we've tried really hard to um correct that culture and like be a be a culture where women are helping each other but I wonder if there's a hangover from the stories that you're hearing of women having a hard time with other women supervisors of kind of that maybe even not conscious but that subconscious like there's not enough room for women in here like yeah. I gotta be harder on the other women on my team. Like, well, I look at it that way too. I'm like, I'm a woman, so I can be harder on women because mm-hmm. I am one. Oh right, like and I'm that's the right. not right, mm-hmm. and that's not an appropriate way to look at things either. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, I've had friends that had female bosses that called them out in meetings and said inappropriate things that were just like, this wouldn't have been okay ever. Right. Um, and it's my theory that at least in the industry I was in, these older manager women kind of viewed us as a threat, and I think inherently women are kind of always worried about some sort of replacement scenario Hmm. you know if you have a kiddo and then your kiddo's loving that first grade teacher more than you that's like a threat or do you mind if I ask since you've been a female managing other females what was that feeling like to feel like you had to be possibly harder on other females is is that something to describe in words or um gosh that's complicated (laughs) probably nothing that I really like I need to search into or search more um so there was one gal that I was not at the moment directly her manager but was kind of hard on her because I was a little bit older and just thought like oh you know I've come up this way and honestly it was how I was sort of raised in the industry and she totally bit back and got in my face about it and I respected her a thousand percent more and she was one of the hardest workers ever. I mean, still to this day, I cannot recommend her mm-hmm. highly enough. That's awesome. So I think, like, when the confrontation comes up, everyone should, I mean, it's not easy to do. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's not. And it, read the room, and I mean, if, well, if it's welcome. <laughs> well, yeah, well, stand your ground in, in an appropriate way when, when it's 
when it's needed. I think that because I, I see this, I'm, I'm trying, I'm playing devil's advocate here a little bit where I'm seeing on the other side of things where, um, you know, I, I hear all the time, well, millennials complain all the time and this is this and well, you're a millennial. And I'm like, good God, I am 35 years old and I work my ass off as, just as hard as anybody else. Yeah. And I'll tell you, a lot of those people work their ass off just as hard. But I think that there are people out there that don't and they come home and they're getting, feel like they're getting, you know, manage too hard or whatever it is Mm -hmm. and they don't either take the next step to address it to you know when it's appropriate or they just you know kind of just kind of quit right like they just don't Mm -hmm. do anything right And, and 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 this is where I think some stigmas start coming out is well if I feel like I'm just getting ragged all the time and you know put down well why why am I going to come in and work extra hard so instead of confronting it they do the opposite of it and disengage disengage from it and this is what starts stemming that stigma that millennials don't work hard and that this is this because it's just not the right communication style I guess I don't I don't know if that's the right word I want to be using right now but I feel like a lot of it falls on the responsibility of the people who are creating (coughs) in the first place it starts top down because um you could have a confrontation with somebody like that because you'd built up enough trust that they felt comfortable talking to you like that, knowing that they probably weren't going to lose their job for expressing their concerns. Yeah, I think right. that's so true. So there has to be an Sorry, environment true. where people can trust you to actually address the things that are happening, especially if you're in an environment like I am where we don't have HR. Yeah. We're all running well, our own businesses. HR, in my experience, has never been that helpful anyway. Right. <laughs> Okay, so we'll assume that in in a perfect situation where HR does exactly what they're supposed to, you know, we don't have those things in place in the first place. When we're creating a culture, it has to be, especially because we're a volunteer army. Nobody has to work with us. I'm not giving them a salary. They work or they don't work. That's it, Mm -hmm. you know? So we have to be the ones as people who are in leadership positions to start creating that in the first place. (laughs) And that goes... Now, because I can tell you, I mean, now just having this conversation, I'm starting to think about other bosses I've had in other situations where I I totally didn't feel comfortable going to people for help. I can remember one time in particular, (laughs) explosion. Um, It was one of my very first bartending jobs. It was probably my second bartending job. And the place was owned by um, this husband and wife team. And the wife was was cool. She'd grown up in the restaurants, but she was just never there. And her husband was just a retired cop. He had no restaurant experience at all. Oh, no. And so he came in as a manager <laughs> with no restaurant experience. And he oh, talked to all of us like we were cops, like we were on salary. Oh, no. And like he could just like basically verbally abuse all of us mm-hmm. and think that we weren't going to leave. So half the <coughs> staff just like quit. Cause like I can get another bartending job today. Like who cares? <laughs> like I don't have to deal with this. Um, but I remember there's a situation they, they told us all the time, like, you know, ask for help if you need it, if you're in the weeds, like get help. And I remember a girl getting fired because she asked him to change a keg during a rush and he just fired her. He's like, yeah, if you can't hold your own, like you don't need to be here. Like, you know, like you have to create an environment. Yeah. (laughs) Customers. Exactly. So it's like, why would you, you know, why would you create an environment that's so hostile where you tell people to ask for help, but then when they do, they're punished for it? Yeah. You know, yeah. if you want an environment where people can learn and grow and eventually, hopefully, mm-hmm. evolve into good leaders themselves, mm-hmm. because I feel like in any successful business, like you have to be developing people along the way. Mm-hmm. If you're not growing, you're dying. That's just how yeah. it yeah. works. So if you're not producing that kind of environment, if you're making people scared to even raise normal concerns, yeah, yeah. then... 
you're not going to be successful. I also got sent home for having frayed jeans. I remember that one. That's where that was. That's where that one. <laughs> I have frayed jeans on right now. I got so much stupid stuff. Slinging beers. Too much have cleavage. Jeans. Not enough cleavage. <laughs> too much makeup. Not enough makeup. Hair down. Hair up. Oh, man. The, man. Whole, the whole deal, man. To be a beautiful lady in this day and age. <laughs> So I am definitely guilty of treating uh, women differently than men. And um, I think where it goes back to, now that I'm thinking about it, and totally transparent, like I've made big mistakes, you know, and this was a mistake. But I think where I, I came from, I don't think I was definitely harder on women, but I would take them aside more. And my mentorship wasn't always soft. Um, and so I was like, look, these guys are going to tear you apart if you walk in there crying like you have got to get your shit together because they're going to tear you apart and they're never going to forget it they are never going to forget if you show up to crew like this and so you can't do that and if a dude came to crew and i knew he was going to be made fun of or something i was like let him walk in just let it happen <laughs> like but um so like do you almost see that as like you were almost trying to i don't want to say guard but like I feel like you were it, almost trying to, to give them, them the protect them yes but it but what I should have done was get on the boys instead of tell that woman to change her behavior what I should have done was go to the other males in the peer group and say stop like it's fine she's a human that was a really tough night that was a tough night for all of us and just because you choose to go and drink yourself stupid and she has a cry like you're both dealing with it in different ways yeah but but do you think you were also trying to survive in this Oh, we all Make were. fun of environment. Oh, yeah, yeah so. we definitely were. And I, oh, it was so really easy. I blame you, right? You were just trying to, ugh. Yeah, just for me, it was so easy to turn into a dude when I showed up to work. Like, I grew up like a boy. Like, it was so easy. And I always I always say that my father's parenting style was very much like a boy named Sue, if you know that story. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, and uh, so I feel like there was a piece of that programming that came out with these women that was like, sweetheart like I just want to save you from the ridicule that I know is going to happen and um I wasn't always soft and so I think if I could if I could rewind which I would never want to go back and relive those years of my life but if I had to um I would I would do that differently and instead of like giving in and just saying like this culture is never going to change um I would have made more of an attempt at a grassroots level like Going up the chain wasn't going to help me at all because that would have just ostracized me. Yeah. Um, but at a grassroots level to say things like calling a woman a pussy for walking in because she's crying after like a really hard event that was hard on all of us isn't so cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's quit that. And um, there's also kind of an environment where like as soon as somebody saw a chink in your armor... Like, everybody is going after it. Everyone, everyone is going after that. I had a coworker that was just, like, this totally bombastic, funny, ridiculous human. And we all loved him. But he just would always go, like, three steps too far. Um, and I was very conservative. And um, just, like, I wasn't – I was married. And my husband was gone. And so I wasn't one of the girls that was going to be, like, fucking around with him on the weekends. Like, I was just a coworker. And uh, he said some really colorful things to me once about my nipples, which he never saw, ever. Um, but it was something like... It's weird how that comes up, you know? <laughs> I know. It was like, it was like, I don't know. I don't know what he said. Something, it was just some bullshit 
in uh, insult that he threw at me, and it involved my nipples. I don't even remember what it was. Now I want to know. I don't remember. The people want to know, Megan. <laughs> I don't remember what it was. Um, but I was wearing a military uniform. Like, I had three shirts on. He never saw me. Like, he could, like, even if it was cold inside, never saw anything. Not that that's an important detail. That's going to now be in public view. Just put that in the show notes, Jason. Thanks. Make sure that that's... Uh, anyway. That's noted. When he said that to me, I flew off the handle. Like, before I could gather myself, I flew off the handle. And I said, you will not sexualize me. You're not going to talk about my body. Blah, blah, blah. We have to work together and fuck you. And we got, we got into it to the point where our supervisors were like, take a walk. And uh, I took a walk, and it was great. Um, <laughs> and I calmed down, but we continued to work together for a couple of years, and we worked together really well. But he always rode that line, and I was always uncomfortable, like, what is this guy going to say next? And he's a good dude. He just didn't know. He didn't understand the line, and he thought it was okay and, like, we're buddies, so it's fine to talk. It's to fine that if I way. take it that extra that extra mm-hmm. way. Do you think he had self esteem issues? Because I think <coughs> hit below the belt maybe are coming in a defensive mechanism. I think to him he never considered that to me that was a massive insult. Got it. Mm. Wow. So I don't think I don't <laughs> like. Mm. I know. I, I I don't think he was because he was very surprised by my response. But wow. then it was picked at and picked at and picked at. You know, like every time. So then I had to learn to like completely ignore any, yeah, any remarks about that because that one time that I was, I had had it, and it was probably like four a.m. and I had been up, you know, all night on a long shift, and those were rough days for me personally. Anyway, so it was just like a snap moment. But so I think it was those early experiences when I was young in the military that was like. New girl, let's talk. Sure. And yeah. I, I was tough on him. And when I was training him, I was tough on him. And I just knew it was hard. So I think I am probably guilty of, of exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So I, bad on me. I learned my lesson. And now I spend my whole life lifting women up. So it's fine. <laughs> like I'm making up for it. I'm a Tony. I'm just realizing how grateful I am that I've been in positions over the last few years where I don't have to work with anybody that I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a really, really big difference. Like I hadn't really thought about that for a long time. Like, like, thank God, man. Like I really like my coworkers now because I don't have to work with any of them. Right. I can just ignore them or walk away or spend my time elsewhere. Avoid. Yeah. 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 Really thankful. Yeah. Gratefulness. That's my moment for the night. That's one of the bummers about corporate is that you, you know, you can't really pick so much unless you're in charge of your hiring and then you kind of can. But then you never but know. even then, yeah. You don't even know. You what got HR are. involved in that, so. Well, that's a, <laughs> a good question. Is a lot of the interviews that you've uh, hosted all been in corporate world? No. Um, so one episode coming up, it, uh, there was a fireman I interviewed, and it was really disheartening to find out that he had this chief that would basically just bully people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um which I don't think is going to help out in any situation. And yeah. he wasn't willing to get in on the workout exercises or run any of the drills, which I feel like that is the easiest thing you can do. Yeah. Oh, it's like so team bonding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, so not all of them have been, but hopefully I get more variety. No, you are. <laughs> you are. I definitely know the one person that is going to come on your show. She's actually recording with us next. Um, she came from corporate and now owns her own business too. So she'll have oh, both, wow. both sides of that and similar industry too. Yeah. Well, cause I, I was just thinking in my head, I wonder if there's, you'll see a pattern of correlation in regards to 
people leaving corporate America to start up on their own? Yeah. Or do they switch to another corporation? Do they overcome that? Like, I think that will be an interesting thing to kind of see. Like, maybe after your first year of doing this, like, let's just take a peek at this overall thing and you do, like, a recap episode of, like... Yeah, and I'd love to interview supervisors. Like, I'd yeah. love to hear... I mean, from my perspective, if I get put into a manage a management situation again, I think the best thing I could do is just to take the other person's perspective. If uh-huh. I can even put myself in their shoes, mm-hmm. which is almost impossible, but to just right. kind of gain their... Just kind of get in their head a little bit and then try to switch the perspective to see how I'm coming at them or vice yeah. versa. Um, but I would love to hear from supervisors because I know supervising a team... I felt like I was like a high school teacher. <laughs> like I was like, ah, all of your problems, I kind of don't care, you know, like figure it out. Um, but then there were really critical things like the guy, there was one guy on the team and there were three women and he was making 20K more than the women. Oh dear. And anytime I tried to, and he wasn't the best um, performer. So anytime I tried to fix that, I always got washed over, and that was very frustrating as a woman. Yeah. Because you know that's happening <laughs> to you, to, you know. Right. Lots of others. Yes. Female manager. Yeah. Yeah. That is really frustrating. So what do you hope, like, from the project, if you look at the project in total, like, what do you hope comes to society from, like, creating this? Other than, like, some of the most greatest gems. There's some really good gems. <laughs> that like, I can't believe that shit actually yeah. happened to somebody. But, um... Like, I know that catharsis is a big piece of this, but kind of talk us through, like, what's the point and why What this provides value, but I want you to talk about it. Man, I don't know if I've even thought about that. I think I was, I'm trying to get it to production. Um, catharsis is one of them. I'm hoping people find inspiration to move on to the next best thing if, if they can, um, to just, like, you're, you're going to hear a story where it really resembles something you've gone through as well. Uh-huh. Um, or going through at that point current time yeah so I'm hoping people can I don't know find the motivation to be like this is enough I've got to move on it's not always that easy (laughs) well move on or I mean even get like a tactable tangible tidbit to go in and confront yes that That alliteration was solid tactical tangible tidbit of the day (laughs) TTT (laughs) and cities thanks to my Yeah, but like I I mean, I think about it that way too. I mean, there's a lot of times that I listen to podcasts (coughs) through somebody else's experience. I'm like, damn, I'm suffering from that right now. Yeah, I really like the way that they approach that and taking it to your way that works best for you, and then applying that. You know what I mean? I think that could be something that really could help and be a huge thing off of what you're doing, especially off of your interviewing. Well, and I'm hoping the managers that we're complaining about listen to these things <laughs> and, you know, take some stock of what they've been doing. Secretly and, sharing it to their email. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, like, all human stories are interesting to other humans. <coughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Like, there yeah. are certain things that are just universal. And the struggle with a boss is such a universal thing. Even if you have a good boss, sometimes you still struggle with them. So I think that is always going to be interesting is hearing other people's experiences and their way in the world. And um, as it, as they're scrolling through your podcast and see, like, oh, I'm a firefighter. I want to oh, listen to this episode. Yeah. Oh, but these are great stories. Like, yeah. I can relate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think that's really good, but I think it's also like 
so important to shine the light on like, look, it's everybody's got it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you're not the only poor sucker in the world that's got a bad boss. Because even the bad bosses, this is a, a Megan Johnson opinion, like everybody is doing the best they can with what they have. Truly, I believe that everyone in this world is going through the world doing the best they can with what they have. And so I think it'll really highlight some of these gaps that managers and supervisors have that they don't even know. Yeah. So if they yeah. listen to it and they're like, oh, shit, I wonder if I am the one that like, <laughs> oh, I forgot. You know what I just realized? I was going to bring you pizza rolls. I was going to bring oh, pizza rolls. Oh, the Totino pizza <laughs> <Yes>. rolls. <laughs> Because Dr. Buddy would love that. Dr. Buddy's episode, <laughs> the supervisor in this episode, every time they had their monthly staff meeting, brought in pizza rolls. <laughs> and I just thought that's the most yeah. ridiculous thing for a hospital. To buy infections, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, because that's my most uh, go-to food that I would ever want to buy for somebody for buying yeah. their infection. Right? Yeah, yeah, but now that you're talking about it, I'm not saying that I don't want pizza rolls. <laughs> <laughs> the whole episode I was just craving pizza rolls. Damn it. Right? I should have toasted I feel like them. it's just like a, this whole deal is just a commentary on like, self-awareness in general yes. And, yes. Yeah, like really. a study of how it is that you like affect the people around you because yeah. I find that so many people and I, I keep seeing all these stupid I look at a lot of memes I'm on the internet too much especially when I'm sick um but there were you know there was one I looked at the other day that was talking about how you know you can't control how somebody else sees you as part of their narrative mm-hmm. and I think Ooh, about that a lot is, because yeah, that just hit me too yeah. <laughs> right because I mean I, I can tell you that there are times where you know I've I've managed at resorts and, and restaurants and bars and all these different stuff and I'm I'm sure there were plenty of times where I wasn't self-aware enough to understand mm-hmm. the effects that I was having on people because I was just trying to focus on whatever appeasing our actual bosses right, right. Yeah. or <laughs> getting stuff done that mattered or you're right being the shit screen mm-hmm. for the people you know below you but they have no idea that that's what you're doing they just know that they couldn't take the schedule like that they wanted or you wouldn't let them take the entire day off for nothing like Mm -hmm. you know or you made them stay late to finish their work right you know oh yeah side work is a is always an issue of contention but um (laughs) you know but how are you supposed to know how it is that you're reflecting with people because everybody's got their own perspective and yes you know, and sometimes it takes a step back or two steps back or 10 steps back to be able to reflect mm-hmm. what, no matter what side you're on. Because I can tell you, like, in those situations where I've been really, really, you know, uncomfortable or I've been actually harassed or things like that, I didn't understand what that was when I was in that situation. It took yeah. reflection from other people to say, no, that's not okay. Right. They can't treat you like this. This isn't how work is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have panic attacks whenever you go into work like this. <laughs> that's you know. But yeah, but you know, I can now if somebody tells me about a situation like that, I can tell them, you know, unequivocally like that's no, no get out. That's a bad situation. No. Like that's not happening. Yeah. You know, but so I don't know. Any time that you can use somebody else's story as a mirror for your own life, oh, I think yeah, it's yeah. really helpful. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. She just said exactly absolutely. what I was yeah, trying to yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> we got there. We rounded rounded yeah. about. This was great. So we want to definitely make sure that we send people over your podcast because it is that it's using other people's story um, as a reflection of your own journey and um, whatever. Just listen to just rewind 15 seconds and listen to what Danae said. That's what I want to say. Um, <laughs> Because it is, and it's important, and it's a story of humanity, and it's universal, and we can all learn about the way we are at work, and the way we um, 
help our, our bosses and supervisors and in the same way how we will be bosses and supervisors someday ourselves too. So too absolutely. Good. But I, I don't think we ever have to take, get in the head of your harasser supervisor. Like no one needs to don't go there. No. get empathy for that dude. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just for like context, he looked like a less attractive Pee Wee Herman. Oh, why is it always that How way? is that even <laughs> possible? Rough. I don't know, man. I don't know. Rough. That reminds yeah, me of rough. the pants rubber. The pants. Oh, I didn't tell you guys a pants rubber story. What? No, but what a great note to end on. Yeah, like, yeah. finish it off, dude. Okay, so there was this guy. <laughs> That's almost a bad joke too. I know. <laughs> right? I was like, ah, bad use of words. That's what she said. So there was this guy that was super awkward. I was in a super nerdy element of the military. We're all dweebs and socially awkward. <laughs> The way my desk was oriented was you'd have to walk up directly behind me. You couldn't walk from the side or from behind. So people would walk up and stand right behind me all the time. It drove me crazy. Oh, yeah, I no, can't stand that. No. And so this, like, almost everybody had enough social sense to be like, hey, May- hey, Megan. Announce their arrival. Megan. Yeah. They, hey, can I, can I speak with you for a second or whatever? And this guy never would. He'd just stand behind me. And it just irritated me so much that I refused to turn around at one point <laughs> after I was like, hey, hey, just let me know you're here. And I'll stop what I'm doing. But I, I don't know that you're here. So I felt this presence behind me, and I refused mm-hmm. to turn around. So it w- went on for, like, a full minute, guys, but it felt like a full day. Like, it was like, uh, well, who's behind me? And, like, your brain goes, like, what if it's, what if it's, you know? And so I, like, do the slow turnaround. <laughs> and there's this uh, guy that was senior to me just standing in front of me, just, like, rubbing the front of his pants. <laughs> and I was, like, just rubbing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> We're going to have a whole episode where we talk about bad customer stories. Yeah, I could go for days. I think yeah. I just stood up and, like, backed away. Like, what can I do for you, sir? Uncomfortable. Like, oh, how can I help you, sir? We all have look of disgust on face. <laughs> it, was, it was awful. Anyway, sorry to be a downer on Dan, though. That wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I wasn't like, rubbing my hand to a naughty yeah. place. So, yeah. Oh, no. It was like... <laughs> Do you think they were sweaty paws? I mean, I have so many questions. Please, please add that heavy breathing again. It was so gross. It was so gross. Well, Cece, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here, sweetie. You're a dream. Uh, We can't wait to introduce Cece Me on Everything to the Level Up community and get you some feedback on that and any any other way we can help you. Yeah. How else? um, Outside of the podcast, is there any other ways that people can find you yeah they can find uh cc uh, me uh, on ccme on everything.com and then facebook and twitter instagram instagram and twitter. <laughs> see i'm so old no you're not <laughs> that's all right we got jason there jason's yeah new episodes yes new episodes every tuesday um and please contact me if you want to you know talk about your boss anonymously perfect love it you're gonna have a full inbox yeah That'd be great. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Hey guys, we really appreciate you listening to the podcast. And what we really need is for you to like, subscribe, comment, share, and let us know what you think and share it with everybody that you want to help level up their life too. So until the next episode, thanks.